Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. To get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make it better. Do you really think we can? Well, yeah, we do. We think we think we can make it better, but that is only because. We are followers of Jesus Christ, and that means that uh, the Holy Spirit is in us, and uh, and the Holy Spirit can make it better, can make the world better, and that's why we're still here, Um, and that's what makes it exciting, and it's been a a long journey so far, Um, almost 50 years uh, since what we now call have come to call the Jesus movement is something that I and my guests uh, went through without even knowing what it was uh, at the time or what was happening or, or fully grasping uh, the moment because it was all so brand new. And, uh, and now since, since the Jesus movement, we've had uh, a number of guests on our show we uh, at the catch. We are working on a radio station that will be uh, footed by some of some of the original Jesus music pioneers, and we've been discussing a lot with them about what we're going to do about that. And then along comes uh, Billy Graham Center and Biola University, putting together an oil oral history of the Jesus movement. And then in the middle of all of that, suddenly I find out, I didn't even find out until about a week ago, that uh, there's this movie coming out this weekend. Uh, The Jesus, they're calling it the Jesus Music Movie. So I thought, well, let's talk about this. And maybe uh, the person to help us uh, talk about it would be another uh, one of one of our good friends here at the catch. He's been a, a guest a number of times, and uh, one of the pioneers of the Jesus movement and of the music of that day. Um, he was more in the in the Midwest, and I was on the West Coast. But it all happened at the same time, fueled by the same spirit. And uh, so uh, here to talk about it. And to especially try and figure out what this all means to us today uh, in 2021, please welcome our guest, Paul Clark. Welcome, Paul. Hey, John. How's it going? Hey, everybody out there in blogged radio talk land. Good to be with you tonight. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it's great to have you back, and, and you've got a, some some new developments in, in your life um, since we've had you on here. And uh, one, one of those being, uh, 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 I would say, what seemed like a couple near-death experiences. And, and then, then you, you, you landed yourself 
a new wife. So my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was resurrected and, and got married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit before, but yeah, I had a unexpected, you know, anytime you go into the hospital for a procedure and they call it uh, routine, that's when you want yeah. to get scared. <laughs> so it didn't go routine. I, I did code, code out and intubation and all that. And to the hospital, I think 48 hours, 78 days. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm digging wow. out from still, but I'm pretty healthy. And, uh, and, uh, but yeah, along the way, I, uh, COVID broke out shortly after that and touring stopped. And I kind of looked at my life after doing something for 50 years, uh, day in, day out of, traveling nonstop and sleeping more in airplanes and sleeping in my own bed and all that stuff. And I just thought I'm going to sell my house, put a ring on it and uh, move to a place I've never heard of before. So I did that. sold my house last December, put a ring on my longtime off and on long distance girlfriend, uh, Heidi Van Hoof from Holland, uh, who lives in Ohio, but is Dutch. She's uh, married a Dutch woman and I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah, they're strong, and uh, I don't drink coffee. But she'd be a black cup of coffee if I was trying to describe that. But she's a wonderful, she's a wonderful woman. So, anyway, so yeah, we got married on our property that I bought uh, back in April. I bought an 1842 stone and log house on a 14-acre lake in a town called Herman, Missouri. H-E-R-M-A-N-N. And wow. literally, my property is on the Lewis and Clark Trail. Lewis and Clark came right on my property. Uh, well, wow. on their way to the West Coast, it's very appropriate because half of it looks like I saw it online, and the stone part is the old original wine uh, making uh, barn, I guess you'd call it, with a uh, you know arched stone wine cellar underneath it, where I'm now building my recording studio. It's very exotic, very cool, and the log uh, cabin part of it, it looks like Lewis and Clark. They built in 1850, wow. so. Without getting off, we're going to talk about Jesus music, but just an interesting thing of how things come around and go around. I'll use this as a little uh, metaphor to give us a little uh, thermal lift to our conversation tonight. My okay. great grandfather came through. Hit, my great grandfather came through this town on the Missouri River here. I'm on the Missouri River from St. Louis on his way to St. Joseph, Missouri, and on to Nebraska three times in the 1860s and 70s. And uh, this town was founded by 192. Germanic people from the Philadelphia Germanic Society. They bought 11,000 acres here and built the town of Herman and built wineries. That was what they majored. There's 19 wineries and six distilleries in my county, and neither me or Heidi drink. That's just pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, but it's cool to think that my I've got a a, um, a uh, stitch cross stitch frame cross stitch uh, thing that my great grandmother. I would be, yeah, my great-great-grandmother packed into my great-grandfather's knapsack in 1863 when he came to America, and he came right through here, and now I've got a frame that's hanging in my house here in 2021, wow. so it's kind of a cool full circle. Things I'll use that as a segue to talk about what we're going to talk about tonight, because one day there's, you know, there was nothing, and my grandfather came, my great-great-grandfather came here, and the next day he left. So, I mean, you never know when things are going to start new and, and then when they come back around again, you know, in a different yeah. way. Yeah. So, I think that's a well, good setup. I'm putting the ball in the tee for you there, John. <laughs> oh, you did. You did. So, yeah. um, uh, so let's, let's 
let's jump right in there um, because uh, you know you and I were writing music. We were writing Jesus music before they knew what to call it. And exactly. uh, in fact, I don't even remember when that term Jesus music first showed up. Um, yeah, probably around 72, maybe. 72 or yeah. 73. Maybe 71. Everlasting One, Jesus music maybe. concert. Maranatha, maybe. Yeah. Maybe 71, yeah. Yeah, so Maranatha had their Everlasting Jesus music. So that's kind of 71, 72-ish. So yeah. I know you're already going by then. So I was going by then. You were going by then. So Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's a... There's a lot have been said about uh, uh, the beginnings of the Jesus movement, and uh, my my experience of it is that, of course, I was on the West Coast, and uh, a lot of people th- think that's where it started, like it started in California, but right. when you start traveling around, you find out that it also started, you know, in... Uh, in Missouri and in Kansas City yeah. and and in hey, I was uh, living I was living in a log cabin. Yeah. I was having a log cabin at ten thousand feet up in Colorado Mountains, seventeen miles from the nearest town. Uh, yeah. for the first year yeah. of all my writing stuff. So and I know I was with you in nineteen eighty five in South Africa. We met a couple artists. They got mm-hmm. they had the same stories we did. They were from Cape Town. Right. You know? right. So exactly. Yeah. Literally the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit was falling. Yep. The Holy Spirit was falling all around the United States. I think the media obviously gave California mm-hmm. a lot of uh, credence with, uh, you know, Calvary Chapel and well, Calvary, and, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But when did you? Uh, can you recall when you first started writing? Yeah, uh, 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 songs about your faith. Yeah, it was in like March, April of 1970. And actually, my my songs did have sort of a name that became a coin phrase later to some people. But uh, I had really like a such a dramatic uh, conversion to Christ, and the next morning walked out my front porch and wrote my first song called "Make Me a Soldier of Your Army," which is very appropriate still 51 wow. years later. But, yeah. But I had I had like a sort of a personal prophecy. I don't want to over spiritualize it, but. I heard a voice in my head that I think was the Holy Spirit actually speaking to me. He told me, he says, I'm going to give you a new song to sing to the ends of the earth. You don't have hmm. to necessarily go to the, ends, to the end of the earth, but your songs will go to the end of the earth. And that was very clear to me. And even wow. now, 50 year, 51 years later, you know, I, I have been in 62 countries and stuff, but I don't have to go to the ends of the earth. My songs did, you know, and that's yeah. that's what I like about the whole true Jesus music thing is that it wasn't about the artist or that was the songs. The songs were born of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And the songs went on. When uh, Paul, when you wrote that first song, um, had you been inspired at all? Had you seen anybody else do uh, (laughs) a song about Jesus or did that just, was that just your, the thing came to you? Completely didn't know anybody. In fact, the four guys in my band, they thought that I had like finally sprung the last leak <laughs> mentally, you know, like, you're yeah. like, what's that about? Well, so to make it a little more dramatic, I wrote eight songs, eight days in a row and 40 songs in that three months that summer. Wow. So 
that's yeah. that, that was pretty that was a big testimony to you guys my band they were like freaking out like where are these songs coming from you know but yeah. they were coming from the holy spirit i had a pocket wow. new testament john i i had a pocket new testament i did not even have the whole bible <laughs> and i look back <laughs> at some of the songs and i go some of the songs i can't believe that that i you know was able to write those songs you know just you guys would wow. say, how did you write that? I, don't, I have no idea, you know? <laughs> so, it truly, wow, was, it truly was a new song. Yeah. It truly, it yeah. truly was a new song, you know? Yeah, I think so, I was doing... I don't know, but I, well, I was going to say, the first couple of times I actually went and sang those songs in places, the only opponents I had, they weren't demonized people or hippies or, you know, the weathermen or Black Panthers or <laughs> KKK or that the only the biggest opponent I had were pastors because their kids yeah. came out to the concerts and the pastor would come right to the front of the stage and say you African drum beat electric guitar deceiver get out of our town you know they they literally felt threatened by me you know there's you can't do this this is because it was so foreign and not known they didn't know how to do it he was just being a good shepherd trying to protect his sheep he didn't understand it yet. But, you know, God started something that no man wow. can start. That's what's cool about the whole thing. And right. You know as well as I do is that this is not something that started by men or an organization. It was it was totally the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, you know. Yep. Yeah. So now, um, you know, what followed was a, was a real spiritual revival. I think it lasted at least a couple of years two or three years. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then, then we watched, uh, we watched the music get more and more commercial as Christian radio started to pick it up and people started to tour mm-hmm. and, uh, and they got, got their audiences and suddenly we're, you know, we're all trying to make a hit <laughs> song. So <Right>. that we <laughs> keep, yeah. keep our contract rolling and our, appearances going and and uh yeah it 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 took a big turn there um but there was something uh there was something really really pure about that those first couple years um because no one was even thinking of any of that no one no one thought of touring or record or even recording you know (laughs) i mean i mean i think love song did the first recording or uh I mean, I know that was a real hey, what a cool idea. <laughs> yeah, right. Stuff, you know. I, I but, only made I made my first record songs to favorite volume one. Uh, yeah. I wasn't interested in making work for myself. A man came into my coffee house. I ran a little coffee house in Denver called the Narrow Gate and I was just trying to sing my songs and witness to all the hippies that would come in. We'd make up peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and invite them in like a soup kitchen and I see my songs and people got saved. And uh, let me add one important thing into this whole Jesus music uh, element, the ingredients, just like making a cake. The music was important, but equally as powerful, and sometimes I think more powerful, was testimony. Hmm. Uh, You know, music would draw people, and then you get somebody up on the stage who was invited up there who'd been a Christian for like a month. And they get there and they give their testimony, and it would be you know, not polished, wow. but totally raw and from the heart. And his name's Jimmy, maybe. And everybody in the audience goes, wow, I wanted my life to be like Jimmy's. And they would come forward off of a testimony. 
So wow. I often always quote Revelation twelve eleven. They, the believers, overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb, by the hmm. word of their testimony, and they loved hmm. not their lives in death. That's Jesus' music to me. To wow. me, that verse, Revelation twelve eleven, is the very root of Jesus' music because they went hand in hand. We we would sing a song and then testify. Sing a song, yeah. explain it, and testify. Sing their song and testify. You know, and we it wasn't planned yeah. out. It was music and testifying and ministry. It wasn't about production yeah. and selling tickets, in cap presence in Christian bookstores. Christian bookstores wouldn't carry my music when I first started, you know. <laughs> right, so right. It was all about yeah. the music and the testimony. Music and the testimony. Go back and talk to anybody at that time and they'll tell you I don't care if it's Calvary mm. Chapel or if it's a Calvary Chapel, you know, I mean, they will tell you that people were touched by testimonies that went with the music, you know. Uh, that's great. That's great. So, uh, you know, it's been 50 years. This whole thing has uh, morphed into a huge industry. And now we just find out we have a movie about it. And uh, mm-hmm. seems like a frontline Lionsgate uh, feature-length movie. We probably shouldn't talk too much about something we haven't seen. But um, yeah, I've only seen I've only seen 36 minutes of it, so that's I'd be a bad critic. <laughs> but, but, I, but I do I do some thoughts about it. But yeah, um, well, it's interesting that they call it Jesus music, and um, uh, because I think we have a tendency to think of Jesus music as uh, the, the first couple of years. Uh, that's like when, yeah. that's like when we didn't know what was going on. <laughs> and right. then, then when we got a, got a control of it, you know, and the record companies got in control of it and the industry got in control of it. Suddenly it turned into CCM. And uh, from what, that's what I can that's see, the, that's the, yeah. Yeah, what I can see the the this movie is probably more about CCM uh, and that history than it is maybe about that those very very early years. But uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, yeah, we we will see, and you know, probably doesn't matter to a lot of people except for just from the standpoint of. I can tell you a quick story. I know that the listening audience, I just want to say to the listening audience that, you know, John and I talked for just a few minutes before we came on the air. And I said, you know, one of the things we don't want to do is come off tonight is to, uh, you know, curmudgeon old Jesus people complaining about the new kids music or something, you know, like, like Luddites trying to stop the industrial revolution. in England. <laughs> putting, you know, we're, we're not that I, we well, both John and I both welcome everything new that God is doing and, and the inspiration people feel. But as a quick analogy, just before you call me, I had friends here for dinner. They live across the lake from me and they have five beautiful treehouse Airbnbs. I mean, they literally had horticulturists come out and pick up the trees and cut down this and cut down that one and plant this. And it's, they're very beautiful They're So I said, they asked me about my reaction to the movie. I said, well, how would you feel your place is called the treetops. That's the name of their Airbnb. Five five places called treetops. So I said, How would you feel if some people came out and said, Wow, this tree these treetops 
cabins are really cool up in the air like this, these trees, 20 feet off the ground. So if you don't mind, I'm going to just build my treetop next to you, kind of, kind of like yours, but I'm going to make it a little bit different. It's gonna, we're going to have neon lights and five swimming pools and a fireworks show every night and big, loud <laughs> PA system and stuff and lots of neon lighting off the highway. And we're going to have ticket sales every night to come in our property. Uh, you can get a meet and greet extra to come and meet the owner for $65 extra. And you get my point. So I said, how would you feel about your Airbnb? How would you feel about your Airbnb if I call it the same name as you're calling your True Treetops Airbnb? And they said, okay, point taken. So that's what I think. The only just the only if if you can go with me on the metaphor, it's maybe crude, but I thought that was a pretty good point I made to him because you can't lump True Jesus music into CCM, and you can't give CCM you can't give it the name. Jesus music because it doesn't it isn't Jesus music it's Jesus music was that and one, one day there was nothing then there was Jesus music and as you say it morphed like the next generation I actually mm-hmm. prefer to call it Jesus music 1.0 was the early part like you're talking and yeah. I call 2.0 like the Keith Green 1976 Don Francisco you know people that Rich Mullins you know it's kind of the, the second generation of uh-huh. 70s uh, yeah. soldiers, you know, the kind of re- the reinforcements that God raised up, you know? Yeah. So, but then by 1980, to me, 1980 was a similar year. It's like the curtain fell and all of a sudden it was strike the pose Christianity of concerts and tickets and, you know, backstage green rooms and you know, all that kind of buses and, you know, right. road managers. Right. And it, it became an industry. It became what I did before I became a Christian. So it imitated the world. And, right. you know, some people think it affected some people think it affected the world more doing that. Uh, I don't know about you, but from my standpoint, it didn't come close. It's never come close to affecting the world. It's entertained the church for sure. And parents, as you know, the, the chemistry of, and this sounds like an old curmudgeon, but this is just experience speaking. Mm-hmm. How do you start a church? If, if I yeah. want to start a church right now, if I, want to, if I want to have a big church right now, it's simple math. I get myself a fantastic worship team, a fantastic youth leader, the kids come, the parents are happy, their kids in church, and they tithe, and now you have income. So that's that's just simple math. Yeah. It's the same thing with Christian music. The parents wanted their kids to go to even a Striper concert, say in the 80s or 90s. Then they wanted uh-huh. to go see ACDC, so they, they give them a Christian alternative to Christian culture. And that's where I think right. is different. You and I invaded the world's culture, and to me, CCM has been invaded by the world culture. You know? Does that make uh, sense? Interesting. Yeah, it does. It does. Well, let's bring it to let's let's bring it current. Um, if God was going to do a new thing now, um, let's talk about that a little bit. What would it look like? Um, would it would it start? Would it be music or would it be something else? What do you think? Um, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Really- Super good point that I know we've talked about before. Um, just as a little reference, a year ago, uh, Sean Foyt, a lot of your listeners may know who Sean Foyt is. He's a worship leader who goes around the country kind of doing these raw uh, sort of Jesus movement, you know, outreaches, that not glitzy, just a simple PA, a van, a horse trough to baptize people. And it's, it's very, you know, back to the roots kind of thing. But I was, he came to Kansas City. Uh, before I moved down here, and and uh, they happened to be down at Nichols Park, 
and that's where they're set up. And so I went down there to meet him, talk to him. And, uh, you know, I, it's funny. I showed up before I left. I took a picture of me playing in Nichols Park in July of 1970. I got down there not knowing where they were set up or anything, but I got down there. And wouldn't you know it, John? They were set up in the exact same place that I was standing in July of 1970. I was on top of my Volkswagen camper. They were just standing on the ground. But I showed this picture to Sean. I said, Sean, check this out. I had long red hair like you do. And look where I'm I'm standing. And you look at the picture. Everything was identical. The trees looked the same. (laughs) Except for in the fountain, about 100 feet away, there were two naked hippies in my picture. And his (laughs) fountain, there there were no people in the fountain. So it was, it was funny that 50 years later, there's a redhead hippie trying to do something raw yeah. and, and back to roots. So everybody saw me that knows me there in Kansas City was like, wow, this is great. What a great night. This is just like the Jesus movie. I said, no, uh, let me correct you. I don't want to sound wrong here, but one day there wasn't, and the next day there was. What's happened here has already been was. So that's why <laughs> you're, so you're, so you're already talking about What's going to happen next? Because, you know, as we just, without reiterating too much, there wasn't Christian music, rock and roll, and then there yeah. was. Yeah. So what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next year or whenever God's going to do this new thing? To me, it will put CCM into the history books. It will be like mm-hmm. that happened. It's like before the Jesus movement, quartets, gospel quartets had their day. They had their yeah. tour buses and all the big shows and, you know, they're uh, come up on the platform, Brother Jones, you know, and, you know, the red carpets and <laughs> brass and, you know, all the, all the glitz. It was the glitz of their day, you know, and uh, I, I caught the tail end of that in Denver. I, I actually helped a guy promote a concert. And I, I, I met the Florida boys and the, the uh, you know, all the, there were four or five bands around. It was a hoot nanny too. I remember that term hoot nanny. Oh yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, without the Happy Goodmans, and I met Myron Lefevre there. That's actually I met him. He was singing with his family, but he was smoking well. pot out from back of the bus. And back <laughs> of the other buses, one of the back of the other buses, a bass player from one of the bands I won't name it, and the keyboard player from one of the other bands were arguing over the merch table money. And they're fine. I thought, wow, what is this going on? Well. You know, fast forward about 10 or 15 years, and that's what happened to the Jesus movement. You had people arguing over this and canceling concerts yeah. and promoting this and nephew. And it became it became the same thing I'd seen in the gospel wow. quartet thing when it was cresting wow. and fading. And yeah. so I think when God does something new, it's going to put CCM to bed. It's going to be new. It'll be a footnote, you know. Yeah, I'd be a footnote. Because why, why would God want to re- uh, gurgitate something to try to press the world. But people are in the world already know what Christian music is. You, you rent a car yeah. at the airport and just start on the left side of the dial. The first five stations are always Christian. In the 80s <laughs> and 90s, you could, if you heard a Fender Rhodes, a string pad, you knew that was a Christian station. Now, if yeah. you turn your radio and you hear a YouTube Coldplay song, you know it's a Christian worship song. You know, so yeah. that's the easiest way, to, easiest way to find a Christian song on the radio is just to listen for those kind of iconic band tones, you know. Yeah. So to me, yeah. God doesn't need to keep doing that over and over and over. How many Sermon on the Mounts were there? How many <laughs> women at the wells were there? How many Zacchaeus yeah. in the tree were there? How many times did Jesus spit on people's eyes with mud? You know, he's a one-off, and he doesn't need to do that. And the time we're living in right now is so spectacular. 
is it scary and is it all this deception and in, infighting yeah. and bickering and and uh, socialism and Black Lives Matter, whatever. I'll put all the names, but is, is it scary? Yes. But just read Psalm 2. Anybody out there today listening to this show, pick up Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage? Why do the kings, even the cultural kings, you know, the, the basketball players, the stars, the rock mm. stars, they, all the shapers of our culture, they're all raging. Let us cast off the fetters of this, you know, this righteous God. Let's, let's throw them off, you know. And then verse 5 says, he who sits in heaven shall laugh. He will have the enemy in derision. So I just seem to, I, I told, I was playing a concert in New Mexico last week, and I said, remember the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark where the Shekinah glory came out of the box, and all of a sudden the Nazi soldiers, their faces melted, their heads blew up? I said, <laughs> I hate to say it, but I kind of like to see that. You know? I wish that God would sort of do that in the world and make the fear of God come down on people. You know, And he's going to. He, he won't do it like in a cinematic like that, but believe me, this God we serve, we're going to see something. Hey, look, yeah. at, he promises, John. He promises yeah. his word. I will shake everything in heaven and in earth. Uh-huh. I will shake everything in heaven. And, so we're going to see something we've never seen. The Jesus movement shook a little culture of hippies, but it shake the whole heavens and earth. So and under the earth, yeah. Yes, wow. I, I think that we're on the cusp of seeing something that we will truly stand with our mouths wide open and go, oh, my God. You know, and, you know, you come to the scene of a car accident, people climb out of their cars, their face is bloodied and they're in pain and stuff. They don't go, oh, my State Farm or oh, my American Express or, oh, my, <laughs> you know, they say, oh, my God. You know, there's something yeah. built in man to cry out for God. And I believe that we're coming to a time where mm. people mm. – are going to be in awe when they see the true living God and all the scaffolding and stuff that we have now propping up our best intentions and plans. All those will become diminished so small, and we see the Lord will be just like, oh wow. my gosh, you know, just be wow, wow, you know. Wow. And I Paul, think that's. I think we're up to that next. Paul, thank you, thank you so much. That was such a important prophetic word for all of us to hear right now and I'm just glad I was here so thank you my friend I can't believe our time's already up but it was worth it it goes fast uh, (laughs) it was worth it it was worth it and um, so we we know we we keep our eye out something new is going to happen something that never was before I love that uh, definition you gave so Paul, I can't wait. Lord for bless you, bless your 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 dear wife and uh, your home and your health and uh, continue on, my friend, and 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 keep keep speaking the word and and keep prophesying. We need to hear that word again, and uh, I'm Amen. so glad you're with us tonight. Same to you so and Marty you. and to all the listeners out there. God bless you all. Okay, thanks, Paul. God bless. Praise the Lord. Bye-bye. Worth it all. Fisher. Worth all that. Radio. <laughs> all that time. And, Connecting and, uh, to right to admission. So, uh, something together. new. Keep your eye out. Trying to help the fellow man. Always here for the new Max. Hoping we can make it better.
Join us next week. Another Rock Talk Radio. God bless you. Woo.